When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, the homecoming crowd turned out to see Michigan State perform better against Maryland than last year's Big Ten opener against Minnesota, but instead they were met with a turnover-plagued performance in which the offense struggled to finish drives. The result is a second straight loss ahead of the Spartans' first road trip of the season. Is there any hope to right the ship? We will discuss, and we'll also take a look at Michigan State basketball's Big Ten schedule on episode 122 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, September 26, 2023. Uh, Mel Tucker could be officially fired at any moment. Uh, we are waiting word from Michigan State, but they have made that uh, pretty known, their intentions known. Uh, so just know that by the time you listen to this, that could have happened already. But as of, what, 1.20 p.m., it has not, but it's absolutely out there. Uh, so right now we're just going to focus on the field. And uh, Matt? How's it going? You you no longer have to find ways to describe the Washington game, but have you come <laughs> up with new ways to talk about this one against the Terps yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, competitive. That's one thing that was completely lacking against Washington. They were non-competitive in basically every facet. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the, at the same time, it was still a lot of the same problems. It's turnovers, penalties, unforced errors, you know, special teams were a mess. And I, I mean, if if you're listening to this looking for, for a positive, it's that, you know, this team <laughs> did not quit last week. You know, they were coming off a humiliating loss at home, you know, amid all the, the off-field coaching stuff um, and the uncertainty about the future. And they go down in a whole 21-0 midway through the, you know, second quarter. And it looks like, you know, it could be another another ugly one. But, you know, to their credit, you know, the they, they – the defense, you know, gave them a chance. You know, they were consistently put in poor up, poor situations with, you know, the five turnovers MSU committed. And I believe, what, four of them were on their own side of the field, you know, when you include the uh, the fumbled kickoff. So I guess that's a positive, you know, because, you know, they were facing another very, you know, talented quarterback who they'd struggled with. And they did they did an okay job against them, all things considered. You know, they, you saw some young guys in there. You get a couple of true freshmen making their first career starts. Jordan Hall at linebacker, Chance Rucker at corner. You know, they went at that Rucker pretty consistently. And, you know, I thought he held up pretty well. Uh, he had a couple, he had two pass breakups. Um, Jordan Hall obviously looks like a guy that's going to be in the future. Um, there's all, obviously more injury concerns. You know, you're down three starters on defense Jacoby Winman, Chris Bogle. 
Um, Charles Brantley and, you know, Jaden Mangum gets, gets hurt. He didn't play in the second half. So I asked uh, Harlan about that yesterday and he said, uh, you know, day to day, <laughs> um, but thought they're going to get healthier soon. So, I, I mean, I guess the positive is they showed some fight. Um, the negative is another, I mean, that's, you know, they can't get out of their own way. This team is not good enough. No, very few teams are good enough to survive five turnovers, you know, all the penalties and, and the unforced errors. So if they, if they clean those things up last week, that's, you know, that's a game they can win. I mean, they were within pulling, making it a one score game in the fourth quarter and we're in the red zone with a, with a backup quarterback all of a sudden in the game, which we can obviously address that situation. But yeah, I mean, the positive is, uh, you know, for a team that, is facing that is in a very difficult situation that still has eight games left on the schedule. You know, there's some hope if it sticks together that, that they can, you know, there's games that they can win on the schedule. Yeah. I mean, 21 for 36 was Talia Tugavaloa, 223 yards. Did have the three touchdowns, but like you said, a lot of short field situations there. I think you take that if you're Michigan state, you know, they ended up outgaining Maryland, which is, I guess something I didn't realize, granted, they're trying to catch up. You know, Maryland, I think, just kind of trying to milk the clock a little bit there in the at the end of the third and the fourth quarter. But, yeah, man, I guess I would look at this game as just kind of like missed opportunities, right? You know, Maryland really let them linger around and, and give them a shot. You know, they missed the field goal. They did have a turnover themselves. And, you know, Michigan State moved the ball at certain points, but they just – they couldn't really finish the drives, you know, like Spence, Malik Spencer dropped an easy interception. Uh, you know, it, it really felt like the first game, I guess, from my perspective, where they really missed a guy like Keon Coleman, a guy you could just kind of throw the ball up to in the red zone and and get it to him. You know, Jalen Franklin dropped a long pass on Torrey Foster, uh, dropped a touchdown, uh, you know, it, tough catch, but it could have been made, could have been made. And, uh, you know, you have the fumbles. Um, so it just felt like they were around long enough to where they could have absolutely made it a game and had an opportunity. But when those opportunities arise, they didn't take full advantage. Keon Coleman. I've never heard of him. Um, that's the first time I've said his name in three months, Matt. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, even, I, I think I was the jump ball on the two point conversion attempt to Christian Fitzpatrick. I think it was when I looked at Kyle and was like, well, <laughs> That's a that's that's a play among the countless where they could have used Keon uh, while he was at the same time catching two touchdown passes for Florida State and including the winner in overtime. Um, there were yeah, there, I mean there were missed opportunities. Noah Kim had his you know his worst performance to date, but wasn't helped by some drops. You know he had the um, you mentioned that Jalen Franklin down the sideline. He puts that ball in the money and it bounced off his hands, and then and then Foster in the end zone. Uh, but he also had some clear misses. I mean, he had Foster wide open over the top, and he overthrows him by, you know, five yards or so. He, the, the the throws off target, you know, he's picked off twice, and it could have been easily been four, you know, with some poor decisions there. And then you you bring in Kate and Hauser with the game still on the line after you know, they had gone three and out back-to-back -back possessions. And you bring in Hauser, and, you know, he marches them down the field, and – Looks like they're going to get in the end zone and, and make a game of it even more so late. And then he completely airmails a screen pass to Nathan Carter, and that's picked off. And That's a tough spot for him, though. Can I just say that real quick? Like, that's a tough call. Yeah, it is. And, and it's a tough play. And you, when you're that deep, you're, you know, you're running, a, running that screen, ah, that's, that's tricky. But 
he, you know, I, he got a shot and, and then you saw Sam Levin in there for the final series. And, and a part of that, I think, you know, Harlan explained it as, you know, Paul and Kim was, was looking for a spark, not so much, you know, a performance related thing, but obviously that's part of it. Uh, and then getting Sam Levin in, he just wanted to give him a shot. So if, 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 <laughs> and Harlan is standing by, by Noah as being the, the starter for now, but I, I gotta, you gotta imagine the, the leash is really short at this point in time, like first half at Iowa, if things aren't going right, you, you gotta imagine them at that point in time, they're going to give them one of the, put one or both of the other guys more of an extended look just because, I mean, they can't afford to, to continue with, you know, interceptions and, you know, all the, all the, the turnovers and, and just inaccuracy. So we'll see, but, and then you got to also remember that once they officially fire Mel, as a reminder, that creates a 30 day window to enter the portal the following day after he's officially out. And you've got to, I mean, you got that, that roster that you're trying to keep together, whether guys are, you know, going to hit the portal, you have the young guys you're trying to keep around and obviously playing them would be one way of, of trying to keep them happy. There's the red shirt rule. So if you appear, you know, guys could, could easily um, sit out. And this, that's a big thing to watch this week. So guys that have already played in four games, guys that have not already used the red shirt rule, guys that have not already used their one-time transfer exception and are um, not on track to graduate this academic year, because that if you've used the one-time transfer already as an undergrad, but uh, have not, if you use the one-time transfer exception as an undergrad to get to MSU, but then you're on track to graduate from MSU this academic year, you can use the, obviously be a, tra- a grad transfer. I try not to get into the weeds here, but guys could easily say, "Hey, I played four games or even less," and just say, "I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm gonna enter the portal, evaluate my options, and, and go from there." So, who shows who's uh, makes the trip to Iowa this week will be interesting. Kyle. You got anything? I haven't heard from you on the game or anything yet. Um, yeah, I mean, like you guys said, uh, better, um, encouraging. Team didn't pack it in. Uh, and got to good. And, and the defense, I mean, the numbers, I feel like at the end didn't look that great. But I feel like for two-plus quarters, they were really shutting things down and keeping the team in the game. I thought that was encouraging. And, and the offense, like, I just not seeing the consistency. You know, it's like a couple good plays, a first down or two in a drive, and then airmail throw, drop pass, miss blocking assignment, and and they're punting. You know, it's like they, they just they're not finishing drives. They're not putting together enough good plays in a row to finish things. And Noah like yeah, I, I mean I find the quarterback thing fascinating. I mean Noah Kim looked really good for two games, but I I guess to me he just hasn't proven yet that he's a Big 10 caliber quarterback or a Power 5 caliber quarterback and he could still be one. Um Unfortunately, in this day and age, you just don't get a lot of time to prove it. And you don't, there's not a whole lot of leeway to figure things out. And um, I think, as Matt said, if if he hasn't proven that in two and a half games, that might be uh, the end of his of his trial period. Seems absurdly quickly to, to move on from a guy, but um, it it hasn't been good the last two games. And it, it, Michigan State needs a better level of quarterback play. I think that's why some of the fans are a little bit restless, you know, here in Harlem come out and say, Kim's going to start again this week at Iowa, which I think is the right move. I don't, I don't, and people aren't going to like to hear it, but I don't think you want to tr- throw Caden Hauser at Kinnick at night into his first career start. I mean, that's, that could go sideways real quick, you know, and now all of a sudden he doesn't have any confidence. So I think you wait, you get through the bye, and then, you know, maybe you put him in in Iowa if things start going sideways, you know, 
maybe give him two weeks and then maybe you come back with him uh, after the bye. But it's obviously a huge topic of conversation right now. The quarterback position is always going to get the most attention. They get the glory and they get the hate. Um, and, you know, Noah Kim hasn't exactly blown away uh, expectations here. So I don't know. I guess, you know, if the season's going sideways, a lot of fans are just like, put the young guy in there. You know, it, it, it's almost like you're, Matt, you mentioned the four games. You know, do you want Kaden Hauser to transfer out because he's not going to get a shot when things are going bad? You know, I guess I'm wondering how much that thought process is going into the coach's decisions here. And, um, you know, just the quarterback conversation is has been interesting so far this week. The um, Harlan was asked about that more or less um, yesterday and said, you know, they're going to play the guys that help them win, which is, you know, the correct response. But he basically acknowledged, you know, more or less, he, he knows what the deal is. Obviously the whole staff does, you know, they are re-recruiting every single player on that roster, at least the ones they want to keep, you know, to, to stay there. And keeping them happy is obviously a challenge. Everybody's got their own unique situation. Guys will leave. That's a guarantee. You know, they leave every year regardless, you know, whether there's a coaching change midseason or, or not. Uh, so I think you've seen that, you know, with Jordan Hall and Chance Rucker, like mentioned, and and seen a little bit of it with some other guys. And, and we'll probably continue to see more younger guys play, I would assume, uh, based on, on the just trying to, you know, give the younger guys a shot. I mean, if there isn't much of a difference between a, you know, say a fifth year guy who's been there for, you know, a long time and a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, you know, I mean, if, if, if they're willing to play and, and burn their red shirt, if, if that's a situation that applies, then maybe that's what you got to do moving forward and building, building for the future. I don't think anything should be too surprising about how they've talked about the quarterback battle, at least. You know, you, you heard the phrase afterwards, why did you change? Trying to find a spark. I feel like that's what they always say with it, you know, which is trying not to throw Noah under the bus, but, you know, acknowledging that they made a change for a reason. Um, wasn't surprised at all to hear them come out and name Noah the starter for this week because I don't think um, Hauser did enough to really say, oh, yeah, he needs to be the guy. So I, I think um, I, I think it should still be Noah, and they're going to try to stick with him as long as they can until Hauser makes it clear, if he makes it clear, that he's the better quarterback. What, what did you guys make of the – this isn't really relevant to the season long or anything, but they picked up that Malik Spencer targeting. Did you uh, Were you a little bit surprised by that? I am done, done, done trying to figure out what the hell targeting is. I, I just, every time you're like, okay, that's targeting, you know, then they even had the, the, the rules official that they brought in on NBC was like, that's a textbook example of targeting and yeah. And then no targeting. So obviously it's a tough situation, you know, where defenders are put in. I mean, you saw that garbage call in the Lions game on Sunday where, you know, the, I get it, but you know, if, if, and I'm not saying this is the case uh, with, with Spencer last week, but, you know, when you get a, an opposing player, you know, offensive player lowers their hel head, lowers their helmet, and and all of a sudden it's uh, it's on the defense, you know, for not being able to to adjust in in an instant. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't – again, it looked like targeting to me, but I, I, I don't know. Either way, it means that he won't have to sit the first half at Iowa, and you have one starting safety we still don't know about – about Jaden Mangum because, you know, obviously, again, like I said, he got injured last week, didn't play in the second half, and, and that led to Amorian Smith getting in there and, and getting some shots. So, uh, yeah, hey, I, I don't know. I'm done. Again, I, I just, I can't understand part of it. I, I, no.
Is there anything else in this Maryland game, or can we move on? Uh, special teams. <laughs> they do improve. Special teams corner is alive and well. Uh, a blocked field goal that was basically kicked off of one of his own guys because it was low. A, uh, a, a fake punt that was successful because somebody didn't oh, yeah. you know, have contain, didn't do their job. Uh, the fumble on the kickoff. What else am I missing? Um, either way, that was that was. I think that's enough. <laughs> okay, all right. I think that's enough to prove your point uh, there, Matt. But uh, regardless, you, you go into a homecoming game against Maryland at home, and you're a seven and a half point dog. I mean, it's just it's just not good, man. It's just not good, and it's not what you want to see. I know Maryland is, it looks improved this year, and you know Mike Loxley's got that program moving in the right direction. But that's just. This is a program the Michigan State has generally handled, and it's just not great to see that. And you look ahead now, you, you go to Iowa, and two weeks in a row now, Kyle, you pointed out last week how the line comes out, and all of a sudden it's jumped almost immediately. Uh, that is always a bad sign. And now you're, what, 12-and-a-half-point dog or something like that at, at Iowa? I mean, it, it moved. I think it settled in a little bit lower. It moved from 8 to 12, like, on Sunday afternoon. I saw it at 11 and a half earlier today. But, like, that's that's a pretty big move. I don't follow that closely. But, I mean, it's usually, like, a point or two a move. So, um, mm-hmm. They might be expecting some guy. I mean, that, that inactive list could be long. You know, we don't we don't know who's going to be playing here. I mean, there's we know there's going to be some guys that are going to leave. It's just going to happen. So, uh, it could be long. But you're a 12 and a half point underdog to an Iowa team that, put up one of the worst offensive performances I have ever seen last week for Penn State. You know, I got back from the game. I was watching all the night games last night or last week in my basement. And yeah, granted at Penn State, whiteout conditions, you know, that's not an easy place to move the ball. But this Iowa offense for the better part of two years now has been putrid. Uh, Cade McNamara hasn't really elevated the offense. You know, I think a lot of people blame Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, but uh, they lost their number one running back, Caleb Johnson. Uh, they lost their number one target in tight end Luke Lachey. Um, and, and when you play Iowa, you know what it's going to be, guys. You know it's going to be running the ball and target the tight end. And if you can't stop that, if you can't stop that going into this game, like you're not winning another game. But, you know, Iowa leads the series 24-22-2. It's been a pretty even series throughout the year. Last uh, time they met was in 2020, blowout in Iowa City. Uh, that was one week after that surprising Michigan win. So, uh, you know, Iowa has wins over Utah State, Iowa State, and Western Michigan. And as I mentioned, they're blown out by Penn State. Dealing with a lot of injuries. Iowa is about the the most, like, this is what we do, and we try and do this well. So come try and stop it. But if Michigan State can't move the ball and can't stop this offense, I'm not going to pick them to win another game. Um, yeah, stubbornness would be a theme in, uh, in Iowa city there along with nepotism, but, uh, they, after all of last year's drama, they continue Iowa ranks out of 130 teams in the nation ranks 129th in total offense, 104th tied 104th in rushing offense, 125th in passing offense, 105th in scoring. Obviously, usually uh, one of the better defenses you're going to face in a season, but oof, this is like uh, shades of uh, 2018, 2019 in uh, in East Lansing, where you had uh, you know a pretty good defense and an offense that just couldn't move the ball, couldn't score. So I don't know. I I I, I don't know how this team's going to react on the road first. You know, first road game, like you mentioned, night game at Kinnick. Uh, who's going to be there? Who's going to be available? Who's healthy enough to play? But the the challenge seems pretty clear. You know, this isn't 
This isn't facing Washington. This isn't, you know, Michael Penix just chucking the ball up 60 yards down the field with NFL receivers all over the place. So they, they'll have to win up front. Uh, there have obviously been concerns about Michigan State's uh, performance in the trenches uh, on both sides of the ball, but that's where it's going to be won and, and lost, obviously, to repeat the million-time cliche of, of that. But And Harlan had said, you know, he – he was asked uh, yesterday about, you know, Iowa's offensive issues. And he said, well, first of all, I'm never going to tell you what I think their issues are <laughs> laughing, but yeah. And, and he said, you know, look, we, we remember we, we went there last time and, and they kicked our butts. So obviously, you know, got to respect them and very, very uh, concerned about the, the game as they, as they should be, because uh, they're not obviously not in a position to be overlooking anybody. Over under of 36.5, which is just comically low for a major college football oh game. And, and I might take the under on that, honestly. I think most will. I'm <laughs> yeah. surprised it hasn't come down. Like, come on, that's nuts, man. Uh, I guess you can kind of, if you're Michigan State, like look to the Illinois game last year, maybe for a little motivation. I mean, they had a good defense. Uh, Michigan State was able to go in there on the road and move the ball and put some things together, and it kind of rescued their season for a little bit at least. Uh, gave them those bull hopes again, and I don't know. It feels kind of like a similar situation. You know, Iowa, Illinois not really blowing the doors off. It was a run-based offense, uh, You know, obviously a different group. You had Peyton Thorne in there where there's a lot more uncertainty at quarterback this year, but you know, a lot of players were on that team. A lot of players were on the field. I guess if you're looking for something, a road success, you could kind of point to that if, if you're a coach, but then again, it's new year, new team, new season too. So. Yeah. And they don't, Michigan state doesn't have a, a an established veteran quarterback. They don't have one receipt, one of the, one receiver who is uh, making plays in the NFL every week and one who's going to be doing so probably next year. And, and that just, you know, that's obviously going to change things. Your teams just don't, don't respect the passing game without, well, for a number of reasons, not like, I mean, again, this isn't 2021 where the flea flicker is going to work five times because you got, you know, a generational talent in the backfield. You, they, they, they need to be more effective, obviously, running the ball. Nathan Carter has shown flashes. You know, I think he averaged, what, 5.1 yards a carry last week, which was good. But then also you get down in the red zone or get down to the goal line, fourth and one, and they run a play that gets blown up and he's dropped for a, a four-yard loss. So, the slow starts, too, are killing. I mean, Noel Kim throws an interception with the second play of the game. You know, they get down there, and then they can't get it in. I mean, I, th I guess their success, like, on the first and second drives, both on offense and defense, has been, like, historically terrible. So, like, if you get off to a slow start at Kinnick, good luck. Like, you're not coming back from that. So. Yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that play out uh, three years ago in front of uh, – It was that was the, uh, the biggest attendance Michigan State had in the uh, COVID season. It was, like, 1,200 or so people. 75-degree <laughs> day in Iowa City. It was gorgeous. It was an 11 a.m. local kickoff. Man, that was – stayed at a hotel five minutes away. Like, as soon as that game ended, everything was on Zoom. Like, all right, I'm going back to the hotel to write because there's no point in sitting here. And, yeah. oh, boy. I think you mentioned you had the gamer written by halftime uh, last Oh, week. yeah. I mean, that's well, – I mean, that's the case whenever – I mean, Washington game and all these – there are a lot of uh, situations where you're just – you're just waiting to plug in. Uh, you just you want them uh, want starters pulled so you can plug in their final stat line and, and just go from there. But <laughs> all right, well uh, that's the Iowa game. It's it's coming up. Obviously a, a big time game for Michigan State. I mean, if they're going to do anything with this season, 
we'll see what happens. Again, we'll be monitoring that inactive report. I mean, four games into the season now, guys can preserve their red shirts. If Mel gets fired, they can enter the transfer portal. So um, I think, you know, we'll see the inactive list. You know, I think that's going to go along. That's going to tell us a lot, I think, Matt. Well, we don't, but we don't know how they're going to use that. Yeah. That's still something that's tweaked and in, in being worked out because it's the first year of doing that. So, so pack, pack your binoculars. So, oh yeah, always. Are they going to list guys that are electing to 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 not? Play? I I don't know. We're going to find out. But uh, yeah, yeah. I I think I'm uh, I'm about done with. <laughs> It's not great. How any way you slice it, it's not great. But maybe they can get a win and turn this season around. But let's let's go to something a little more happy here, Kyle. Uh, basketball season, I guess, has officially begun. We've got practice, official practice. Although, as Tom Izzo mentioned with John Rothstein, the the season doesn't really ever end with summer workouts and whatnot. This year, um, Kyle, you know, I don't want to get into too much, I guess, because you know, I think like last year we'll do an entire basketball preview where we can get into stuff, but. You know, practice gets underway. I know it's an exciting time for fans, especially this year. And you know, even Izzo, I think, gets a little twinkle in his eye this time of year. But I guess I'll ask you before we get into sort of just a quick look at the Big Ten schedule that came out. I mean, is it any different, I guess, coming into a, a year of practice when the expectations are through the roof as opposed to the last few years where they're just kind of muted, at least from a national standpoint? I mean, it feels way different to me. Um, just talking to to Izzo yesterday, being around the program. I mean, they're hopeful going into every season, um, but I at not only the expect not only the expectations of this season, but the fact that they kind of broke through and got back to a Sweet Sixteen last year and it ended the season really well and brought back everyone. Um, Izzo made a point yesterday that the expectations, like they're based on what guys on the roster have done. You know, it's not based on a bunch of the freshmen. They have good freshmen coming in, but that's not why they're going to be top 10. They're not top 10 because they've got three different high major transfers coming in. Uh, Cause frankly, I think we've learned, you don't really know how that's really going to work out. Um, I think he feels good because these expectations are based on basically a starting five that has all played multiple years at Michigan state and most of them returning starters. So, um, Feel pretty good about that. Um, only real preseason note is that uh, Jaden Akins uh, turned his ankle. Um, I, as soon as I tweeted that, everybody freaked out, and I totally get it. I don't. I don't blame you. Everyone is very on edge at Michigan State about preseason lower leg injuries, but I can, I can assure you that this is not like the other ones. It is minor. It is the most common um, injury in basketball. Um, um, and it's not expect it's not no surgery. It's not some mystery foot thing like before, like it's just a sprained ankle. So everything will be fine. And, and Malik Hall, uh, came back, came back full in early August. Um, and has been no setbacks, no nothing. He's good. So people are extra on edge this year, Kyle, with the way the football season's going. So you can tell like the tension. I, I, I am here to reassure people. <laughs> Thank God for that. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, like I said, we'll get into like We'll break every player down. We'll look at some of the big picture stuff uh, as we get, you know, last year, I think we did that preseason preview in early November, Kyle. So uh, we'll get to mm-hmm. that eventually. But uh, I guess I just wanted to look at the Big Ten schedule here at the end of the show because that did come out. Uh, you know, MSU will play home and away against Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Uh, Iowa, Ohio State, and Rutgers are home only. And then road games only, Indiana, Nebraska, and Purdue. And I think that's where I want to start, Kyle, because Indiana, Purdue, probably two of the better. I mean, Purdue, we know. Indiana looks like they'll be decent. You know, two of the better teams. Those are road only. And you, I would, how much money would you bet that they're both like afternoon tips on a Sunday on CBS? Yeah. I mean, they will be. Um, I'm pretty, pretty guaranteed. So, uh, 
I feel like I say this every year, and it's not surprising. Like, if, you, if you've looked at the Big Ten schedule, most of the easier games are towards the beginning and most of the harder ones are towards the end. Like, that's not a coincidence. TV basically gets to make the schedule, and people don't watch a whole lot of college hoops until February, March. So they want the big the big time matchups when people are going to watch. Um, so Michigan state starts out those two December games are um, versus Wisconsin, which is not terrible um, versus Wisconsin, but then at Nebraska and then three of your first five games in January are Penn state Rutgers and Minnesota at home. Those might be the three worst teams um, at Illinois and at um, Northwestern are in there too. Those will be tougher, but um, point being, on balance, the first half of the Big Ten schedule, I think, is pretty considerably easier than the back half, which is good. Gets you off to a big start, but then um, you finish um, March 2nd at Purdue, March 10th at Indiana, um, particularly March 3rd at Purdue, March 2nd at Purdue. Uh, that's a Sunday. Um, if this season plays out the way we expect it to, that could be a colossal game, essentially, for, um, for the Big Ten title. But then you got to turn around and go play at Indiana. That's been a tough place for them. It feels like Bloomington has not gone well for them um, in the last several years. Um, and um, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, it, it seems like that's, that's how uh, these schedules always come together now. So if it, if it plays out like we think it should be a pretty interesting uh, first week of March. Yeah, it's too bad we're only getting one Michigan State-Purdue game this year because, I mean, they're, they're very clearly the two best teams in the conference this year. At least it looks that way on paper. Well, when you move to an 18-team Big Ten and a 20-game schedule, get used to single plays of the best teams, which is a shame. But that's a topic for another podcast. Well, Tom did mention that in that interview with Ross Dean about how when you add the four Pac-12 teams, you know, it's it's going to make the Big Ten schedule, which already feels unbalanced and sort of feel based on luck as to who wins the, wins the league. That's just going to make it even worse. So he did kind of make that point, which I get. You're right. We can talk about this next year when they're actually. I, I will say, though, too, that uh, January 30th, home versus Michigan, uh, February 17th at Michigan. Um, home games, uh, a weekday Tuesday. The, the Chrysler game is a Saturday one. Uh, feels like it feels like they've typically done like the January in East Lansing and February in Ann Arbor for most of the recent years, but um, it feels like the 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 Breslin game's been the weekend one in most recent years. So the Breslin game will be a weekday, um, and the big the big weekend one at Chrysler. So, mm-hmm. and it's you know no matter how you slice it, it's the Big Ten Conference. You know it's never going to be easy. And and we always do this, and there's teams that are way better than we thought, and there's teams that are worse than we thought. Like, I feel pretty good that Purdue's going to be up there and that Michigan State's going to be up there, but I had to fill out a preseason poll the other day, and it was it was a lot of guesswork, let me tell you. Yeah, and Tom said as much, too. He's like, I don't know what these transfers are going to do to Illinois. I don't know what, you know, these teams are going to no. – how it's going to shake out. Is Northwestern going to keep it going? Yeah. Ohio so. State, yeah. I, I, t- I tend to towards – teams that are bringing most guys back you know like northwestern's got dudes back like i know boo booey can score um but yeah it's it's going to be tough to say so it we could be totally wrong about uh about about this but um i don't know march 2nd at michigan state at purdue feels like it will be uh quite the game we'll look at the more of the landscape of the big 10 when we preview the season but uh that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast matt you're heading to iowa city correct Yes, I am. Uh, I am heading there, and uh, we'll see some actual fans in the uh, stands for for my first uh, second trip there. So it'll be uh, be interesting. All right, 
Enjoy your favorite hotel. Oh no, that one's gone. The best hotel. Oh the, no, the best in the Big Ten. You know, it it changed ownership. <laughs> oh, no. It's no longer a Marriott. And besides, uh, so it might as well burn down. As well. Yeah. <laughs> besides, and I, I don't think that would have been an affordable stay during a football season, in which there actually are fans allowed in the game. That was one of those uh, uh, COVID season uh, things that were enabled. I will be staying in Cedar Rapids. All right. Well, Matt will be there covering the game. We'll be watching on TV. It's a 7.30 kick on NBC, another night game there. So uh, enjoy the football during the day. And uh, hopefully from Michigan State standpoint, they can uh, perform a little better and end this losing streak. That's going to do it for Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel. I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time and go green.